Welcome to Everybody Hates Me, Let's Talk About Stigma, a podcast hosted by Dr. Carmen Logie. She is the Canada Research Chair in Global Health Equity and Social Justice with Marginalized Populations and an Associate Professor at the University of Toronto's Factor in Wintosh Faculty of Social Work. This show features amazing speakers from around the world talking about stigma from research, lived experiences, and activism perspectives. Why should we care about stigma? What can we do about it? This podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabewaki, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. This land is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Thank you for tuning in. Let's start the show. Listeners, I am really excited today. I have two fantastic guests who are the co-authors of the book, Elder Abuse, You Have a Role to Play. This first-of-its-kind book undertakes the uncomfortable conversation that so many are unwilling to have, that elder abuse is widespread and very real. John E. Johnson, a retired lawyer, and Sabi Duthi, a former retirement home owner, are our guests today. And in this book, they share real stories from families of different generations and backgrounds. And today they're going to talk to us about stigma and elder abuse. Welcome, Sabi and John. Thank you. Thank you for that. So normally I ask people if I was in an elevator with you, how would you describe what you do? So I'm going to ask you to each go separately. Sabi, you first. If I'm in an elevator with you, and then later John is John missed this elevator. So John's going to be in the next elevator. How would you describe what you do? Okay. Well, first of all, Carmen, I'll be so excited to be in the elevator with you. So that's so exciting, <laughs> number one. But, but the elevator pitch is an elder abuse. It's, it's a growing global problem. And the main essence of elder abuse is ageism. And ageism is discrimination. It's discrimination based on age. And it relates not just to older people, but to other sections of the population as well. But when we have stereotypical views about a person because of their age, it causes problems, especially for an older person. Like we stereotype older people as vulnerable, weak, and unable to make their own decisions. And then we leave all older people with this stigma. The stigma then promotes and strengthens elder abuse in our society. My um, elevator pitches are always a little bit longer. My kids will tell you I love to talk. So. <laughs> all right, so if I'm going to get an elevator with you, you're going to just launch into you are doing elder abuse yes. work and you want everybody to know about yes. it. Okay. John, if I'm in an elevator with you and I say, John, what's, what do you do? What, what's your jam? What would you say? Well, I'm a retired lawyer. I practice law 40 some years was with a big law firm. Uh, connection with Sabi is that she articled for me 25 years ago. So uh, that's uh, part of it. But what, I, what happened was I had been very interested in the area of elder abuse. But what I saw 
in my practice was a better way to do it, a better way to handle these cases, a better way to get them out of the way before damage was caused or feelings were hurt or families were destroyed. So what I did was more of a confrontational, right at the beginning kind of process. And that's the way uh, I, I operated until I retired. But then, of course, I lost my clientele. I didn't have clients. So I said, well, I've got, uh, you know, stacks of cases. Why don't I tell the story and uh, tell them how it works and what happens? That's turned out just by, by anecdotal evidence that to be the most interesting part of it. People are saying, you're going to write more stories? And I said, well, no, I have to I have a story to tell, but that, these are just illustrations. So that's sort of where we're at. The book is done now, and it's in circulation. It's doing okay. And so that's what I do. I don't practice law at all anymore, and this is more fun. Amazing. I'm going to, in the wild card questions later, I'm going to ask you both more about what you personally do outside of this work. So get okay. ready for that, <laughs> listeners. Sure. But before we get there, Sabi, I'm going to show up. You're in Toronto. Yes. Okay. I'm going to show up at your house, which I can see. It looks very nice. And I'm going to say, I have my time machine. It's a very fancy deluxe time machine with space for physically distancing. And I'm going to say, take me back to the time and place where you thought I need to think about elder abuse. This is an important issue. Where do we go in this time machine, Sabi? Oh, that's such a beautiful question. I think for me, let's take this time machine back to when I was running and operating a retirement home. And one of my residents said to me one day that in life, what really matters is not what you do, but it's who you're surrounded with. And I asked him, I said, what do you mean by that? He says, you go through life and you achieve what you need to achieve. You raise your children, you have fun, you travel the world, you do all that. But then as you get older, there's a value that needs to be given to getting older too. That's only going to be provided by those that you're surrounded with. So I went home and I thought to myself, wow, we should be living like that all the time. Mm. And so for me, you can ask my kids, I just love being surrounded by older individuals because they know how to value life, but we don't know how to value them. That, I think, is where everything spurs. Wow. And how many years ago would you say that was? Um, I left the industry back uh, five years ago. So I think we're probably talking, it's, it's very early. We're probably talking about a good 20 years ago. It was very instrumental in terms of how it helped me be who I am and even in terms of how I helped become the parent I am and raise my children. It was very early on. That's amazing to think, you know, you had this awareness 20 years ago and I think it became more of a national awareness since COVID with the situation of how older people are not valued and treated well and many homes, right? Many nursing homes. I think it's been more on this national consciousness in Canada, at least in the past year, but you've been thinking about this for decades. Oh, big time. And it was when I, I left the industry back in 2016 
And I was so frustrated. People don't talk about older individuals. I could actually foresee what was going to happen. COVID was a stress test. It, mm. it showed you things that do not work. Mm-hmm. We have an issue and we have to address it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's really where the value of being around older people is so much fun. We just need to value them and see it. Just having a conversation, having a cup of tea or whatever, it's so much fun. I think that's amazing. And I also know that depending on different cultures and different backgrounds, elders are valued or not valued in different ways. And, you know, even within Canada and globally, right? Like I I do a lot of work in the Northwest Territories um, with an Indigenous agency. and, And every single thing we do, even though it's a youth program, is with elders. And there's an elder there and they're seen as being like the most important person, you know? So I'm really glad you're reminding us that elders can be fun and funny and and, in sources of knowledge and and wisdom, you know? How about you, John? You mentioned, you know, your your history of being a lawyer led you to collect a lot of stories. Is in, in the time machine, where would you take me if I said, so where do we go? Was there a particular case or time when you thought I need to kind of shine a light on the experiences of elder abuse? What I can tell you is in my time machine, I would go from house to house or hospital to hospital. And uh, often it was in the, the uh, lawyer type job of just taking instructions for a will. But what I really enjoyed was the company of these older people. And I said, how did these people get so wise? Mm. I mean, you're out here doing this every day. You're talking to people. You think you're so smart. I think what I would take myself back to is that time when I was still learning from them, really, and falling in love with them, too, because they were mm. just so interesting to talk and so philosophical. And, and sadly, many of them were scheduled to die in the not-too-distant future. So you talk about that with them. And they they were actually anxious to talk about that. And I said, why are they anxious to talk about their own demise? And they, they would explain that to me. And uh, I think that that part of my wisdom, such as it is, was taken from these scenarios as a collection of really nice old people who understood their fate and who would relate it to me so I could learn also. And the it's not that I'm waiting to die or anything like that. Hmm. But it, what it's taught me is that, uh, that it's just, this is just another step in the road and I what I need to do in the meantime is help as many more people as I can to deal with their problems and just keep on doing it but not get paid for it (laughs) (laughs) so I retired and it was much easier when I retired because I could take the odd day off left the cottage or or whatever so that's my time machine bopping about town visiting people and and uh, enjoying their company. And that's what energizes me to get out there and protect them and do, do the best I can. That's so beautiful, both of you. I feel like your, I don't wanna say your origin stories for this book, but it feels like you have, you know, this deep connection with the the strengths and the value of older people and that has 
been developed over your work over decades. And that really inspired you to, to think about this issue that I want to ask you about, which is elder abuse. You know, normally I'll say like, so why should we care about this? <laughs> I think, you know, maybe COVID has shone a light like, oh my goodness, we should care about this because it's widespread. But for you, what would you say, you know, why should people be thinking about this, picking up your book about you have a role to play? Like, why should we be right now in 2021 thinking about elder abuse? Why is this an urgent issue? Uh, who are you talking to me? Sure, you could go first. I can, I can shake it up. We can shake up the order. You can ask Sabi after. She'll fill in all the blanks. But the um, essence of it is this. Elder abuse is a problem nobody seems to know about, really. They've heard stories. They've seen things. But almost everyone you talk to, if you talk to them long enough, you know, they'll say, hey, I just remembered I had an uncle like that. And he had this cleaning lady who used to visit him regularly and blah, blah, blah. And I said, what happened to him? She took all his money. I said, oh, that's too bad. And so I, you'd hear this kind of a story over and over again. It's because nobody talks about it. I had to practically pry the story out of them, but I had heard these stories and seen them many times. And I realized the word is not getting out. And the only way that this can be conquered is by addressing it head on, finding out who the bad guys are and what we can do to deal with it. And so that's that's sort of the essence of it. Mm -hmm. Sabi? That's so interesting. Sabi, why would you say that there's a silence around elder abuse? Why, why is that? That's a really good question. Carmen, to tell you the truth, it was back in 2016 that I actually was surprised by myself that people don't want to talk about elder abuse. When I owned the retirement home, I had an audience. People wanted to talk about older issues. They were concerned about it. But that's because I was surrounded by older individuals, their families. That was the life they lived. Mm. And then after I sold the retirement home, it's like, you know how the phone stops ringing? Everything just went quiet. So one day I'm at the dinner table with the kids and I say, and I said, I said, people don't really want to talk about issues like this. And they said to me, they said, mom, it's because that's all you talk about. It's about older issues and nobody really wants to hear that. So that's when I thought to myself, wow, it's like as if there's a silent community mm -hmm. and nobody acknowledges it. Nobody sees it. But Carmen, what's interesting is that all of us are going to get older. Regardless of your race, your sex, your sexual orientation, your ethnic, it's all going to deal with, we're all going there. But nobody wants to face that. They don't want to deal with that. And in many ways, I can understand why now is because they're facing their mortality. Nobody wants to address that. But what John and I are saying, and that's the main purpose for the book, is that this is your life. We all have a role to play. And elder abuse is this horrible cloud that's constantly growing. You don't want to face that when you get older. Mm. 
you have the power to do something about it. We all have the power to do something about it. And that's why John and I wrote the book, because we wanted it to be inclusive. We wanted to be inclusive. All of us should talk about it, have a conversation. We don't have all the answers, but if we have a conversation, like, for example, what we're doing today, mm. we are going one step forward to addressing elder abuse. Amazing. And I, I'm going to get there to the solutions. But before we get to the <laughs> solutions, I want to understand this problem. Okay, two questions. My first question is, what is ageism have like what does it have to do with elder abuse like what are these links between ageism and elder abuse maybe john you can take this one and then sabi can can add to it yes yeah i hear you're saying that there's a silence around older people's issues and there's kind of a fear of death is that what is that what I you know. you know what there's a, there's a silence and then there's a silence. There's the uh, issue of ageism and ageism is is where everybody's talking about old people all the time, but they're not talking about them in a nice way because mm -hmm. they're talking about them as if they act of getting older is a lot of fun, which <laughs> it is not. The aging process has been made a source of humor all the time. You'll see comedians making a whole living talking about life in the in the home. And this is a, such a disrespect to the older people. And, and they, they buy into it. The whole older population that has to put up with these stupid jokes about, oh, I've had a touch of Alzheimer's or something like that. The people who have to put up with that just go along with it, but it hurts them. And they start thinking, well, maybe I am that grumpy old Gus, or maybe I talk about my operations all the time, or maybe I can't make my decisions as quickly as I used to. And so what that does is ageism feeds that whole conversation. It's not about elder abuse per se, but in, in so many ways, it's a form of elder abuse. It teaches total societal non-respect for older people. And we need to we need to change that conversation so that people understand that it's not as much fun as they thought it was um, to be getting older, but it's also a really great experience and a chance to give back and uh, your wisdom and chance to share with, with your family, et cetera, et cetera, without being made fun of. So ageism undermines that and it pushes people back into their pods and isolates them. So, so I think I'm just overdoing it. But that, Sabi, you could maybe expand on that. Before we get to Sabi, I just want to say, John, I think you have really clearly laid out some key elements of stigma that underpins ageism and how it's produced in our society. I think, you know, you just said, you, you talked about people being made fun of, people are slower if they forget things, that people are made fun of if they have Alzheimer's or dementia. We actually had an episode, I'm not sure if you you heard it, on dementia and Alzheimer's with somebody living with the diagnosis as well as a researcher. And there's a lot of stigma and fear around that. 
And then I think these are examples of like devaluing people who are older, like what you said. And once you devalue somebody, then it's easier to justify violence or abuse towards them because you're you're already putting them below you in the hierarchy. So I think that was like really a good link between ageism and how it sets the stage for something like elder abuse. Sabi, what are you thinking about this? And and also if there's any examples you have of elder abuse so that someone listening might be able to recognize it. Cause I think sometimes it's not clear. Like John mentioned financial abuse by a, a maid. So maybe, you know, if you have more things you want to talk about ageism, but also maybe give us a, a few examples of what we should be looking out for. I totally agree with everything that yourself and, and John has said that ageism underpins elder abuse. And it's very important for us to understand ageism. So for example, with respect to financial, if you see people that are vulnerable, then there's lots other people who are not of the right mind sometimes, they would do financial scams because, oh, these are older people, they're not going to say anything. The other element of abuse, which I think is important to mention, is sexual abuse of older individuals. Mm. That is a reality. It does happen. And um, you had mentioned someone that, on with respect to Alzheimer's and dementia earlier in our talk, imagine an older individual who is not able to give consent. There have been many, many cases where they have been sexually violated and they have not been able to provide that consent. Sexual abuse of older individuals does exist. Mm -hmm. I wanted to mention that in particular today because that's another form of like stigma too. It's like, oh, older people, sexual, oh, that's not an issue. I'm surprised to hear that. Mm -hmm. So that's very important. Again, that's an ageist Mm -hmm. view of our older individuals. And then, of course, you've got neglect, failing to provide the care and services that they need. Psychological thinking, telling them each and every day, oh, you can't do that. Mm. You're, you're incapable of doing that. That view has been is an ageist view. But then they pass that view on to the older person who is able to do a lot of things. But if you're constantly being told that. Yeah, totally. That stigma gets internalized and then they lose their confidence. And then what happens? They do end up becoming vulnerable. We, need, we do need to change this. And the best way to do that is by having a conversation about older individuals, about elder abuse, and then also acknowledging and understanding the key values that they have in our society. I totally agree. And do you think that people think of elder abuse largely as physical or financial? And then, you know, because we kind of, I don't know if this is the word, desexualize older people that, you know, and there's sexual abuse stigma and sexual violence stigma that that's maybe we sort of overlook those things. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, when we deal with ageism, what's really important is that they're still human beings. Mm-hmm. And what's happened is that there's already stigma already placed already, for example, be it based on race or your sexual orientation or other items. Then on top of that, you've got another stigma that's added, which is ageism. Mm -hmm. That's a very heavy burden to carry. 
Yeah. I want to... So how can we dilute that? Yeah, keep going. <laughs> well, I think today, I think having this conversation with you, Carmen, which we're totally excited about. I'm so excited too. <laughs> this is so much fun. Um, is the step in the right direction. Amazing. We need to talk. Yes, I agree. Um, I'm going to go to John. John, is there any other examples that you want the listeners to be aware of in case they might suspect elder abuse or just, just so that we notice it? Well, the obvious ones are physical. You don't have to be a doctor to know what a bruise is. The uh, mm-hmm. appearance of a person will give you a million clues. Doctors use this easy index card to find out whether they can attach that or attribute it to the, the patient. But an ordinary person, like if your grandmother has got black eye or bruises on her arms, uh, I have to admit, I, I have seen all of these things, plus cigarette burns, where while grandma has been roped into a wheelchair to make her listen, she's also had cigarette burns placed on her wrists and arms to make her do that. That, those are not normal, and those are the things that would immediately attract your attention. But look around the place where the abuser is keeping grandma prisoner, and you will see mm-hmm. there's not enough food in the fridge to feed her, but there's plenty of beer. There's not enough uh, apparent time to clean the house, so the, it's a safe place for her to live. And the phone's been removed. Oh, Wow. Things that just if you look, this is not normal. And if you were to go home to mama and get other people involved who will be able to know who to call, like calling the safety lines and stuff like that, there are other people who can take over, but what we have to do is break it or her victim. But that is, or you can look in the, in the bathroom to see if the prescriptions are there or Mm-hmm. Has has grandma got her glasses? Has she got her hearing aids? Has she got her cane? Where's her wheelchair? What? Mm-hmm. All of those things will take an ordinary person and make them into a, a detective because that's the kind of stuff that that actually tells the story. Wow! Thank you so much. That was so powerful and also sobering and a bit sad, you know, to, to think about all of these examples. And I know, Sabi, you have been telling us that we have a role to play and that there's something we can do about it. So I want the last part of the Stigma podcast, well, except for the wild cards, is why why we can leave this with some hope, is what can the listeners do? You say this book is called elder abuse, you have a role to play. What role do you want the listeners to play, either in challenging ageism, in recognizing elder abuse? What can the listener who might be walking their dog right now? I'm waiting for listeners to give me other examples of when they listen to podcasts. But right now, since I listen to the podcast, Walking My Dog, this is my example every single podcast. Um, What can the listeners do? There's many things that uh, that we could do. We all have a role to play, including the older person. So with respect to an older person, you have a very powerful voice and you don't have to accept um, 
treatment. Let's say if someone says something to you that's not nice or unkind, you know, use your voice and in a very polite, compassionate and kind way saying, that's an interesting perspective, but let's look at it from this angle. You will be surprised how your own family has a voice to play. And that voice can only come into play if you, the older person, speak and be honest about what you want. We, in terms of the stigma that's attached, if we do a little bit each and every day, that is, if one of us and then another friend and another friend and another friend stand up and say, nope, I don't like this treatment, you will be surprised by the impact that will come. It only starts with one. Our children have a role to play. You know, by just listening to what mom or grandparents are saying, taking a moment. When you go to the doctor, the, uh, your, the, the bank teller, your financial planner, your physiotherapist, all of them, all the professionals that provide services to an older person, you all have a role to play. And it just starts with something very simple. It's just take a step back, just pause for a moment. And instead of getting engrossed in terms of what you need to accomplish that day, just take a moment and just say, hi, how are you doing? Just, it's one little, one statement. Hi, how are you? How is your day? By you saying that, what you have done is you value that individual. And then that individual, that older individual is going to feel more relaxed and happy to have a conversation. And then when you're providing the service, it's going to go great as well. So we all have a role to play. And to our politicians and our economists, our older individuals, COVID has shown us how important health is. We need and we must take health into account. Our economy is not going to grow unless health is a key component. And um, when you look after your older individual and they are a growing section of our community, they're growing, their health is important. How can you promote their health? Love and compassion and valuing them. I love that. You gave the listeners quite a lot to think about. <laughs> so you, you mentioned for people who are older, who might be listening to this podcast, who are elders, use your voice. And I think that also can translate to any of us listening, we can use our voice if we see something happening that is not okay and, and challenge when people are mistreated, when devalued. And I know, Dawn, I'll get to next. I know you mentioned there's helplines to call and maybe, you know, you can um, you can provide me some of those later so that I can, I can link them to your podcast. But also, Sabi, you mentioned, you know, children and, and, and the way that we instill values into children so that they speak to older people, that they learn from them, that they value them. Then you also talk to the whole bunch of people who are listening, who are, you know, um, healthcare providers, social service providers, who are also working with older people. And you talk to the politicians. So I like that you, you, you assume a, a wide uh, listenership, which I love. So this is, this is great. So I'm gonna go to John next. So, John, what would you say to the listener listening to this podcast? What's one thing that they can do, or, or more if you have more than one, but what's one thing that they can do? You mentioned the dog walker. 
let's just use that as an example because I can make up a story that could go along with that. Somebody, a younger man, is cutting the grass at grandmother's house. Nobody's told the next door neighbor there's a new person living there. And um, so the neighbor says, that's strange. So what would you do if you're walking your dog and you see somebody else cutting the grass? You, you go over, this takes a little guts, but it's not going to hurt you. And you go over to the person cutting the grass and say, I just wanted to ask is, is, uh, is we'll call her Mabel. Is Mabel okay? Because she usually cuts her own grass. And um, he'll say, I'm her nephew and I'm cutting the grass now. And I said, oh, have you moved in? And then if you get someone who's suddenly edgy about the kind of inquiry you're getting, just walk away. Well, it's okay. Say hello to Mabel for me and ask her to give me a telephone call. And then they set up like that sort of a connection. And then if Mabel doesn't call back, you call Mabel and see if she even answers the phone. People who take this, these incidents that are looking out of place and just ask a few simple questions can be like, Columbo, you know, the detective on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can do an imitation of Columbo, but this is not the place. <laughs> the, 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 um, <laughs> but, but the idea is take what's not normal in your life that affects these people, because they're all, 91% of abuse is family. So why is Charlie over there today? I haven't seen him in years. There's a story behind that. And once you break the, what the scientists call the dyad between the victim and, and the abuser, once you break that conversation and make it a triad, they lose interest because they lose control. So it's very important to be able to knock on the door, say, I heard you weren't well, Mabel, I'm bringing you some cookies. And, uh, and if you see the other guy there, you say, you like some too? Treat that all as normal and take a good look around to see what else is askew. And then go back and tell your family and say, I think we need to do something. And it's that moment in time that this is going to work. Because once you break up the dyad, the conversation between the two of them, he can't do the abuse anymore because he can't control the situation. So you're getting into a situation of control and then you bring the pros in like social workers or if there's some physical stuff, the cops. And they'll finish it for you. So that's what you can do. I really like what I you... I think that's what you asked me. But... Yeah, no, I really like <laughs> some of the things you brought up, which is just like getting to know our neighbors, right? Like getting to be curious and connected, yeah. you know, in our communities. And then and then, then we will notice if there's... If I'm walking by this house and somebody different is, is mowing the lawn, who is that? What's going on with that person? And I do think, you know, especially coming from a small town where everybody knew everybody and everybody knows what's going on to a city, there is less of a connection with, uh, you know, neighbors and communities and probably more of a chance for people to kind of just get lost if something is happening. So so I, I love that you're you're telling people to notice connect with your neighbors and connect with people who are older who might, you know, if we see that there's a change in their living situation, check it out, make sure they're okay. Be a good neighbor, you know, and, and if that's your family member, yeah. don't be afraid to be yeah. an active participant. I like that. Thank you. 
Uh, Carmen, I just want to add one quick thing is about social isolation. We okay. saw a lot of that with, with COVID. Um, one of the ways, the other thing that's really important is to do your best to get out and get involved in activities, be more socially active. So like, you know, for example, we've had some recent cases where a, they've been, uh, a couple have been married for a very long time and then one partner passed away and then the individual just doesn't get out and about. Mm -hmm. And that provides a great avenue for someone to take advantage of that individual. So create a beautiful social network. Mm -hmm. That's something I think I think we can all do. You are both so awesome. I'm so happy that you were on our podcast and that you've been able to share this fantastic work you're doing. I'm so excited to read your book. But in the last couple of minutes, are you ready for some wild card questions so sure. we can get to know the real you? Okay. I mean, <laughs> okay. Wild card one. Um, what are you watching on Netflix or Crave or Hulu? <laughs> okay, what am I watching? Okay, Criminal Minds, but that's not that's that's what the kids have on, and I'm actually finding it interesting. I haven't seen that. <laughs> is that like a true crime thing, or is it like a no. fiction? It's it fiction. sounds scary. I'm only at watching <laughs> happy does. things these days. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, John? What are you are you watching anything on on Netflix or TV these days? I yeah, I we have been really held captive by COVID, mm -hmm. right? And we're just now getting out. We just yesterday went out for fish and chips. This is the first time we've been in a restaurant nice. in two years. Wow! And so, but the uh, the kind of things we watch on TV, we have the British. We buy all the different things so we all have something to watch but the british ones the the detective series oh. like kavanaugh and frost and uh, all and all those guys and the, there's a whole bunch of lady detectives who seem to all live on shetland island or someplace <laughs> like that I, I love that stuff and and i uh, occasionally get involved in a romantic thing but i'll find myself shedding just crying because i it's so sad or something's <laughs> going on. But I don't actively seek that out because it exposes a little bit too much of my sensitivity. <laughs> Emotions. I'm only doing funny things these days. Okay, so the last question I have is, is there any words of wisdom or advice that you found helpful in your life that you want to share with listeners? We'll go to John and then we'll go with Sabi. Any okay. wisdom about life in general? Yeah. Well, I can tell you, my father said there's only two roles here. Uh, he said, you have to be honest with people and tell them what is, and you have to work hard. And you put the two of them together, and you will succeed at anything you do. Wow. And uh, so, and, and he gave me, he said, you, you know, the world's your oyster. You can do it. I was a good student, so I was able to succeed. And and feed my family and uh, but I still had fun and I did work hard and I tried to play the game honestly so that we could do these things in a really humane way and not deceive people as to what's up in their lives and yours so there how's that 
Thank you. I love that. So you're like, work hard, be honest, and, and, and throw in some fun along the way. I like that. Oh, we, we, I've been around the world a couple of times. <laughs> nice. <And> travel. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, John. It's yeah. been so nice getting to know you. Sabi, what is some piece of wisdom or words of advice that have helped you that you want to share with the listeners? Uh, I think it's pretty much same on the same lines as John. And um, I said it to the children yesterday, and that is, is that in life, it's important to work hard, but please balance it with fun and happiness and enjoy life. It's so it, it's the it's the question of balance. And and I think the message that one of my residents gave me, uh, which I I always share it with everyone, is that in life it's not what you do, it's who you're surrounded with. Mm. Acknowledge the people in your life. They're very important. Thank you so much. What a joy it's been getting to know you both. Thank you, listeners. You'll be able to see a link to elder abuse. You have a role to play on, on the website along with this podcast. Thank you both for coming on. Oh, thank you. This is a treat. Thank you so much. This is an absolute treat. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank have you. Have a wonderful Bye. day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Everybody Hates Me, Let's Talk About Stigma, hosted by Dr. Carmen Logie. Join us again for more conversations with stigma experts from around the globe. If you want to listen,